This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hegestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. In Pastor Ray's traditional recounting of the birth of Jesus, his two-day message entitled Christmas 2020, The Real Meaning of the Story, explores truths about the earth-shattering event too frequently overlooked in our often very casual and sometimes even politically correct holiday reading. First, of course, is the amazing character of Mary and Joseph, something to be admired and imitated. How amazingly obedient, trusting, and willing must both have been to literally risk their lives by daring to believe God. But the truths uncovered in Pastor's message go far beyond Mary and Joseph. Pastor explains that even Jesus' birth in a lowly stable had powerful meaning because God wanted humanity to always remember that His kingdom is based on meekness and humility, not pride and arrogance. How important it is to remember that it is God's plan that the Christmas story be told exactly as it was written. Christians can never allow it to be told any other way. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be together again in the peace and the joy and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We gather together, Lord, to focus in on you and your holy word. Guide us and direct us, instruct us, teach us, help us, God, that we might know you better, that we might understand the will that you have for each and every one of us. God, that we might grow closer with you with every passing day. Father, I thank you for this awesome opportunity, and I pray that some here today will be helped, blessed, increased, healed, delivered, set free. Whatever needs to be done, do it by the power of the Holy Spirit that's present in this room. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us into the truth of our Father. Guide my lips, think through my mind, help me to speak every word that would be in line with your word, not one word out of line with your word, that the Lord might receive, the Lord Jesus might receive all of the glory, all of the praise, and all of the honor. And in his precious and awesome and most excellent name, I pray. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. So today I want to talk a little bit about the events that took place uh, with the birth of Jesus, with Mary and Joseph. But before I do that, I want you to open with me to the book of Luke, and we'll go to Luke chapter 1, and we'll get into some of these verses in just a minute. But um, one of the things that I've been pondering and thinking about, it seems, I don't know if it's just that I'm more sensitive to it or more, op- uh, more in tune to it, but it just seems to me like Christmas is becoming more and more secular each and every year. It seems like it's getting worse. I don't know, have you noticed the same thing, or is it just me? In the society we live today, everybody is fixed and focused on being politically correct. But Christmas is not about being politically correct. Christmas is about the story of, of a child that was born, and his name was Jesus, and he is the Savior of the world. This is what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about Christmas trees and presents and dinners and, you know, parties and drinking and dancing. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas 
it's about. Now, the world is trying to, to steal Christmas, make Christmas more secular, more worldly with every passing year. And I'm, I'm going to say to you, the church, and to my brothers and sisters, and we here, we ought not to stand for it. That's why when you're out in the world, never mind happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because Christmas is about a Savior, and His name is Jesus. So, this gets me kind of ticked, you know, and I watch all these things throughout the day, you know, you put on the TV a little bit here and there, and you see the... And Christmas is less and less about Jesus, and it's more and more about all of these other things. And um, that really offends my heart. I believe it offends the heart of God. So I think it's so important for us to focus in and to rehearse this story or go over this story over and over again so that we would not forget. I'm going to say this right from the get-go. You see this Christmas story that we're about to delve into and talk about a little bit? Don't let Hollywood, don't let Channel 2, 4, 5, 7, 11 or whatever your favorite channel is, tell the Christmas story in their way. You know this story, and you tell the world as a witness the story of how Jesus was born, and why he was born, and why it was necessary for him to come into the world. Because Hollywood is screwing it up. They are infringing on God's word, and they are taking it, and they are perverting it to say something that it does not say. So, it's so important for us to know the word, and to understand all the little facts and all the little things about the Word so that this will be alive in our heart and we, the ministers of God, we, the servants of the living God, will go out into the world and be sure that no one is going to assassinate and tear up this Word of God and make it say something that it does not say. We're going to make the world know and we're going to make those around us understand what Christmas is about and who it is about. It's about Jesus Christ, the living God, who was and is and is to come. Hallelujah. Somebody give me a better amen than that. That's what Christmas is about. So with that, I want to go over to the Gospel of Luke. And let's start in verse 27 and talk about uh, the Christmas story and some of the things uh, that took place during that time. I'm fascinated by this. Fascinated by the characters. I love to study the characters of the Bible Um, And one of the ways that I like to study the characters of the Bible is that I like to bring them down to reality. Because in our thinking, because they've they've done great things and they found their way, their names have found their way into the Bible, we sometimes look at these characters as if they are godlike. But what you have to bear in mind is that these characters are not godlike. They were simple, humble human beings that were just available to God and willing to do whatever God needed for them to do. And thus, some of them got to do some great things, so great that their names got included in the book when it was written. But they're no greater in, uh, you know, than, than any other human. They're not superhuman. They're not deity in any way, because a lot of these characters in some circles and some religions uh, and, and some churches, they deify these characters. But I like to bring them right back down to humanity because that's what they were. That's who they were. They were just simple, humble people that were used by God, available, and willing to do whatever God needed for them to do. But I'll tell you what, if we could all just see ourselves like that, God, here I am, use me. I'm just a willing vessel, willing and wanting to be used by you. Use me in whatever way you wish. I'll tell you what, God could get some great things done in this earth. Can I get a better amen than that? All right, so we look at uh, verse 26 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. 
And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. God's still using angels. Praise God for the angels. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Let me read it through and then we'll go back. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angels, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Now listen, verse 37, love this verse. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we go back to verse 27. The angel shows up at Mary's house and, um, and brings her this awesome message from God that you are highly favored. Now, God looked over all the earth for someone who would be uh, just right, just perfect, to be uh, the one who would bring forth Jesus into this world. Now, in some circles, when I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, and this is not downing the Catholics at all. There are lots and lots and lots of God-fearing God-loving Catholics, but some, sometimes doctrine um, is not up to snuff with the Word of God. Catholics believe that Mary was the mother of God. Well, God doesn't have a mother. Do you hear what I say? God always was and always is, always will be. Oh, God always was, is, and will be. He has always been there, right? God doesn't need a mother. God doesn't have a mother. She was the mother of the Lord Jesus, but she was not the mother of God. Misnomer, all right? So, um, so here Mary is, is, you know, minding her business. Let's just bring this down to reality because this is how the story goes. I mean, we've got this idea of Mary floating five inches over, you know, off the floor, long veil, you know, headpiece, the whole bit, flowers in her hair. And she's just, you know, she, no, she's, she's a little girl. She's probably 16, 17 years old. She's in her house. She's probably cooking, cleaning, making the bed. I don't know, reading her Bible, doing something. And the angel interrupts her routine to say, Mary... I have a message for you from God. You are highly favored among all women, and God has chosen you to bring forth a child, and you'll call this child, his name shall be Jesus. You'll call him Jesus. Now just think about this this interruption in Mary's life. Mary is betrothed, which means that she is engaged. And back then, you see, engagement isn't like it is today. Today, people get engaged, and they get unengaged. And they, you know... Like one time, uh, this happened a few times, I met a few people. Well, we're engaged. I've been engaged for five years. Well, what the heck are you waiting for? Might as well turn the ring back in. I mean, five years, you're engaged? What kind of engagement is this? I mean, if you're in love, then get married, you know, or send the ring back, get the money, and go on vacation or something. Engagement back then was a very serious thing. It was, it was just one step before they actually consummated the marriage. 
They already had a life that they were planning together. They already established the place that they were going to live. They got, they got all things in order. The only last thing there was was to get, go before the man of God and go through the ceremony, and then they could consummate marriage after all of this took place. So to be betrothed was a very, very serious thing. So here Mary is not in this frivolous little relationship with Joseph. This is serious, man. They may only be days away, I don't know, weeks away from actually finalizing this thing. This angel comes in and interrupts their life and says, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, is going to overshadow you, and you're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have a child. He's going to be called the Son of God. His name is going to be called Jesus. Now, just imagine getting that message when you're getting ready for your wedding day and go back and have to tell your fiancé that an angel showed up in my room and told me that the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow me and that I'm going to be pregnant, and I am pregnant because all the signs show that I'm pregnant, Joseph. I don't know how to explain this to you, but I am pregnant, and the Holy Spirit did it. And I can imagine Joseph looking there saying, I mean, you know, we've got this idea, you know, oh, yes, Mary. No, Joseph didn't say that. Joseph was confused. He was ticked. It's like, Mary, what, what do you mean the Holy Spirit overshadowed you and you're, you're having a baby? He was mixed up. He was confused because it says in the Word that he thought about putting her away privately, ending this relationship and putting her away privately. In other words, just sneak her away somewhere because this is the kind of man that Joseph was. Joseph didn't want to... Uh, put her out there for public disgrace, and he was the only one because the offense was against him. He was the only one because you know what the you know what the penalty was for a woman. It's not like today, uh, you know. I mean, thank God, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, you know what the penalty was? Stoning to death. So Joseph was the only one because the offense was against him. Joseph and his thinking in his natural mind, saying she's pregnant, I don't understand this, what Holy Spirit, what overshadowing, what son of God, I don't understand any of this thing, I'll just put her away. See, that was the kind of man, Joseph was a godly man, that's why Joseph got chosen to be Mary's, uh, you know, husband, and to be the father of Jesus, you see, or the half-father, really, I say that, but you understand what I'm talking about, you understand that, he, he just, stepfather, that's it, stepfather, God. I don't know, I'm, I'm all mixed up. In this day and age, I don't know, man. It's multiple fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles. Anyway, the stepfather of Jesus. That's why he was selected, because he was the kind of man that he was. He was a God-fearing fearing good man. He was a man with morals. And that's why he was chosen to be Mary's husband, you see, and to take oversight and leadership in helping to raise and to look over and to care for this, this child, Jesus, until he was ready to be revealed. So Joseph, you know, Joseph freaked out, Mary. Now, now let's just go back for a minute. When Mary accepted this charge from, from the angel, when she received this, uh, this message and said, let it be unto me according to your will, look at what she put on the line. She put her fiancé on the line. She put her reputation on the line. She actually put her life on the line, which proves the kind of woman that Mary really was. And that's why Mary was selected, because she could be counted on. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't a half-hearted believer. She was, a, she was a radical believer. She was a radical lover of God. She didn't care what, it, what the cost was. If this was God's will, if this is what God had for me to do, I'm going to do it no matter what. If I lose my fiancé, if I lose my family, if they stone me to death, I would rather obey God than try to please people. Come on, somebody give me a better amen. 
That's why Mary was selected to bring forth Jesus into this world. That's why Joseph was selected to bring Jesus into this world, because of their character, because of their humility, because of their devotion to God. You see, I'm going to tell you what, if you want to do something great for God, then you need to practice those principles of humility and devotion and being hot for God and being on fire for God. Because if you'll be on fire for God, God will use you in a powerful way wherever you are to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate his love, and to work through your life in a powerful way, you see. So Mary, this is what set Mary and Joseph apart. So Mary risked everything. She risked her whole life, her whole future, everything that she was believing, you know, or working for, or had believed for. She was willing to put it on the line for the sake of obeying God and doing it totally by faith because, you know, she just, she didn't really know what the outcome of this was going to be. She just stepped out in faith and trusted God and, and God let God take care of the rest. You see, when you, when you obey God, one of the principles that I learned, when you know that God has asked you to, you know, do something from his word, reveal to you from his word things that you need to do in your life. And you see, you can't argue with God. You just submit to the word of God and you do it. And, and God will show you. God will, will prove it out. God will work it out as you just obey him and submit yourself to his word. Amen? Can I get a better amen than that? So Mary, Mary uh, in, you know, says yes. And, and I love this, um, you know, what she says, be it unto me according to thy will. Do you realize that if Mary said no, that it would have stopped right there. Mary had to be willing, uh, a willing participant, because God would never violate a, a, a human being's uh, will, uh, will, right? So, so Mary had to align her will with the will of God. See, that's how God is with the, with the things of the Lord, with the word of God. He won't violate his, your, your free will. That's the word I'm looking for, free will. He will not violate your free will. You can do whatever you want to do, and God will just sit by and watch. You see, if, if you don't want to accept his plan, his purpose for your life, if you don't want to accept the word of God into your life, there's nothing God can do about it. It stops right there. Now, I believe the reason why Mary was selected because God already knew the kind of woman Mary was and that Mary was so submitted to God that she was going to just say yes. And that's why she was selected and that's why she was used, you see. So, so but un until, uh, unless and until she said, yes, Lord, nothing could happen. Now, that's, see, that's the way it is for everybody sitting here, me included. Until we say yes to God's will, until we say yes to what he's outlined in this word, everything just stops. Nothing can happen. We have to receive it. We have to accept it. We have to say yes to God. But everybody say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm willing and obedient to do whatever you would have for me to do. So Mary did that. Now, let's just back up because this is... This is interesting. She said, he, uh, the angel said in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and his name, uh, you shall call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus in the, in the Hebrew is the word Joshua or Yeshua, right? So they translated it into the Greek. It's, it's Jesus. And so now the name Jesus is pretty interesting because I wrote some things down. When you, when, you, when you say the name Jesus, this is what you're saying. This is what the name Jesus means. It means salvation. It means he shall save, deliverance, or to put in the state of safety. So when you say Jesus, that's what you're saying. That's what his name means. You see, his name means salvation. His, his name means he shall save. His name means deliverance. His name means to be put in a state of safety. So when you call on the name of Jesus, that's what you're saying. You're calling on the name of salvation. 
You're calling on the name of deliverance. You're calling on the name that will put you in the state of safety. That's what the name of Jesus means. That's why you should never use the name of Jesus in a way to curse or to use it in a foul way. The enemy has perpetrated this among people and has unleashed this among people. And, and, and you know, that's why it bothers me when people curse and use the name of Jesus in a, in a cursing way. Because this name is a powerful name. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. It says that at the sound of the, you know this because I say this all the time, at the sound of the name of Jesus, everything in the heavens, that means that all angels come to attention when the name of Jesus is uttered. Everything on the earth comes to attention when the name of Jesus is uttered. And everything beneath the earth, even hell shudders at the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. So, so it means that he shall save his people from their sins, make atonement for and to destroy sin, deliverance from all the power, guilt, shame, and pollution of sin, and free us from the effects of sin in our life. That all is wrapped up in the name Jesus. Everybody just call on the name of Jesus. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Powerful, awesome, mighty, holy. The power to break the power of sin, to break the power of sickness and disease, to break the power of every bondage in our life, the name of Jesus. The angel said, you will have a son and you will call him Jesus. His name will be salvation. His name will be deliverance. His name will mean to put people in the state of safety. I don't know how you've been thinking about or what you've been thinking about the name of Jesus, but I hope that that helps you to see the name in a new and a fresh and more powerful way than ever before. His name shall be called Jesus. When you utter the name Jesus, yes, 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 yes. Yes. When you utter the name Jesus, your heart should bow in the presence of the Lord. This is why I believe the enemy is so craftily you know, moved our society to a godless one where the name of Jesus is removed. Because you see, when you say the name of Jesus, the devil is rebuked. His power is halted. His devices are destroyed. You see, when you read through the books, the, uh, the book, uh, through the pages of the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, they just invoked the name of Jesus and demons took off trembling. Sicknesses were healed. People were raised up from being lame and crippled. The name of Jesus possesses within it the power to destroy that which is set against humanity and set against God's purpose. The name of Je- His name will be called Jesus. Don't just read over and say, yeah, I know that name. No, man, when you read that, you better stop for a minute, halt, take a breath, look at that and say, His name will be called Jesus. Salvation, deliverance, putting me in a state of safety breaking the powers of darkness over my life. The name of Jesus. There is no name that is greater, no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Can I get a better amen than that in the house of God today? Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. 
Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, PastorRayNY.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's PastorRayNY.com. 